Hello, and thank you for joining me on the Frontier Markets podcast. I'm your host, Krishan Kupchand, and my guest today is Simon Glossop, the CEO of Camscorp, a commodities, supply chain, and energy company focused on Africa. One of my favorite quotes comes from this novella called The Little Prince. The author, when describing you know, the complicated nature of reality, says, quote, what is most essential is often invisible to the naked eye. The supply chains that are responsible for everything around us are like that. The microphone I'm using to record this, for example, you know, has had its raw materials sourced, its, assemb- its components assembled as a result of these types of supply chains. Companies that exhibit competence in this are incredibly exciting to me, especially when they apply, to, when they apply that competence to frontier and developing markets. So without further delay, let's begin. Simon, thank you for coming on the podcast. Could you give us a quick overview of Camscorp, starting with its history and walking us through uh, its kind of origin story towards its current scope of operations? Yeah, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. I'm I'm interested in your I'm interested in your questions. I'm interested in your podcast. So it's um, I'm I'm happy to happy to be involved. Um, Camscorp is a, is a, is a private company that's been involved in commodities for over eight years now. Um, it really is the culmination of a lot of efforts to understand um, commodities, certain types of commodities. And, um, and really um, successfully create long-term sustainable supply chains for commodities um, from, you know, in, in, in interesting commodities from, 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 from interesting origins. Um, the, the scope of our operation is predominantly from, from African countries, and we operate in approximately 12 countries out of Africa um, and really... The foundation of the company is from the fact that and um, a, a very interesting niche in in working on efficiently creating supply chains um, from from you know of certain commodities from certain countries. Um, so so that's really the scope of Camp School. Brilliant. Could you walk us through um, one of those particular commodities and the type of projects you guys have engaged in? So 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 we work in um, so, so we work in in. Um, agricultural commodities, and we also work in in, in mineral commodities. Um, those those are the principal businesses we work in, um, and, and really we work in, in in raw to semi-processed commodities, whether it be agricultural, whether it be whether it be mineral. Um, you know, what, one one of our uh, our biggest um, items um, to date has has been ginger. Um, and this is ginger mainly from West Africa and predominantly from Nigeria. Um, ginger is actually exported in a semi-processed state, and that is um, that is that, that is that is dried and then split ginger. So the so the, um, the, the the raw root ginger is actually processed to to a certain degree um, using using artisan type processes in Nigeria, and then exported to. To, to about three different continents all over the world. And that's the supply chain that we've created from inception all the way through to, um, all the way through to you know, delivery to, 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 to our clients globally. Fantastic. What does the process look like from day zero to you know, two years ahead when it comes to kind of constructing these supply chains, from identifying there's an opportunity to uh, finding the right types of partners and kind of understanding those milestones? So, so creating supply chains is a, is a deeply practical operation. 
And so, 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 so first and foremost, um, some of the work initially can be done, you know, actually r- remotely, which is, you know, is, is there fundamentally something interesting here? And, you know, uh, what that really boils down to is the fact that, well, you, you, have, you have some form of commodity in some, some origin and, you know, ultimately, does it look like it's worthwhile to actually move that commodity in some sort of form of, you know, uh, raw state or process state through to an end user buyer? And, and you know, that, that really means, you know, is, is it worthwhile? Is it economically worthwhile? Is there demand? Is there supply? And so from, from that initial analysis, then, then you move to a very practical set of, um, of, of conditions you really have to run through to actually see whether, okay, well, fundamentally, this is interesting, that there's an, there's an economic advantage in actually doing this, but can it actually be done? And that's when it moves to deeply practical questions, which is all around the, the actual supply chain, the quality and quantity, um, the financing, the management of the operation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, very often with commodities, actually, in my experience, especially from frontier markets, the demand side is less of an issue. So normally there, there is demand for a commodity at a price, and that's not really, that's not really an issue. The question is, can you actually supply it in the, in the right quantity and, and quality in a t- on a timely basis and present it well? Um, and so, so most of the work needs to be done on, supply, on the supply side, and that's a deeply practical thing to do. Okay. What are some of the um, obstacles that may result in folks underperforming when it comes to uh, creating their own supply chains? Do you think there's a scarcity right now in competency when it comes to identifying um, or or constructing commodity supply chains to meet the standards of international buyers? I think. I think sometimes. I, 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 I. think sometimes the one of the issues is there's a lack of that there can be a lack of knowledge in terms of the 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 level of engagement you need from uh from, from you know from a from a direct basis um, with with some new commodity supply chain. So I think I think sometimes people believe that you just because a commodity exists then it's reasonably straightforward to actually, you know, get that commodity to a buyer. And so I think, I think sometimes actually there's, there's not enough work put into that actual supply chain in terms of, you know, what, what can and will go wrong because it's a physical movement of anything, you know, especially in a frontier market, a lot of things can go wrong. And so, and so therefore I think there's a, there's, there needs to be for, for a supply chain to be successful you need to put a lot of effort and a lot of practical uh, common sense into actually can it can it work or not. So I think sometimes people can go into these commodities and not realize all that it entails to make sure it's a successful operation. So so actual the, the actual commodity itself is actually normally not the actual issue. Getting the quality, getting 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 the commodity and the right quality and quantity is the start of the issue. But then from that start of the issue, then you move to the deeply practical nature of actually moving it in the right quality and quantity to, to the eventual end buyer, um, which means you just need to run through a lot, of, a lot of steps to make sure that can be successful. Fascinating. 
how do the challenges when it comes to anything ranging from kind of transports and logistics to other components of constructing uh, supply chains, how do they differ across different kind of African countries that you've interacted with? Um, so, 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 so it differs, differs quite a lot. Um, so, you know, it, and, and, and this is really just yeah. a, a very practical run through of, you know, things which, which, which you need. And so, you know, it, whatever the commodity is, wherever it is, you, you have to get it from, you know, its location to probably a port. And so, you know, and then you need to, you need to ascertain, you know, what that sort of distance looks like and, and then how are you going to transport it? And so th- 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 there's lots of questions immediately, which is, okay, well, if, if you're talking about trucks, are you talking about, you know, do you have, are there enough trucks available? Can you hire them? Do you have to buy them? Do you have to rent them? Et cetera, et cetera. Are you talking about a train? Are you, are you actually loading this onto a train? Can you load it onto a train? Is there a train? Does that train go to the port? Um, a lot of these, a lot of these different questions. And then that of course varies country to country. So, you know, in Africa, which is more our speciality, then there are very differing road qualities if you're talking about truck transportation. And of course, there are different truck companies and different types of truck and all these sort of different things. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a, a lot of countries differ in terms of the provision of, of logistics, whether those are private companies and public roads, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it really, really, it very, really varies a lot. And I, I you know, I, I think you, you can't, you know, especially in a frontier market, you you oh you know arguably on a on a map if you haven't been there you can see that a road exists, but of course you don't know you don't know what sort of what that road looks like, and so you know if that road's a effectively a dirt road with with potholes on it, then probably a truck carrying thirty or thirty five tons of minerals is not really going to work, and so you know this is all you know again I'm going to keep emphasising this but very deep deeply practical stuff. Fantastic. What does the uh, information acquisition apparatus look like in this case when it comes to, you know, checking these roads and, you know, doing diligence on these transportation routes? For the most part, is it you guys kind of hiring someone to do this on your behalf? Is it part of the team or is it something where there's outsourced services that provide, you know, accurate maps of what's actually going to be the case? Well, I think, uh, you know, some some of this can be done online, but you, you can't escape the fact that you've you physically need to go and visit this stuff yourself. Someone needs to visit the, this stuff yourself. You can't, in, in, in front-end markets, I think assumption is a problem. So just to, if you assume something, then that, that's a problem. If you don't actually have any experience of what you're assuming, and you know, we can go straight to the kind of quality of road issue here. You can assume that the quality of road is good, um, especially if you have you know, relative inexperience and so you know, so so that so so so, so there's, you can't get away from the fact that either either yourself or someone that you 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 implicitly trust needs to go and survey you know effectively what's what, what you know what's going on and what's happening. You know, if you if you're talking about some sort of bulk mineral commodity, so so and let's assume that it's to 100 to 200 kilometers inland from the port which is you know this is kind of typical common stuff so so you know a, a bulk commodity let's assume it's bauxite or you know something like something like that or lead or you know lead ore or that sort of stuff some sort of raw mineral 
you're, you're, you're going to be talking about a quantity, probably a minimum of, you know, a thousand to 2000 metric tons. So a thousand to 2000 metric tons, if you have no railway and a railway, normally a full, a full train will, you know, with, with 40, 50 carriages will take probably 5,000 tons, but, but we're, we're probably talking about trucking. And so if we're talking about trucking, then a thousand to 2000 metric tons, you need to load that into trucks, probably carrying between 25 and 35 metric tons. So therefore that's a lot of trucks, right? That's a lot of, if you're doing a thousand tons, that's a lot of trucks making a lot of journeys. So therefore that road is then very important over that 100 to 200 kilometers. And, and so can you get access to trucks? Are those trucks reliable? Do they break down? Because of course these are normally older trucks in frontier markets. So do they break down? Um, you know, and, and what does the road look like and the, this sort of stuff. Right. Well, zoom, zooming out a bit, um, we're talking about logistics right now, the kind of, you know, heavy work of moving things from one place to another. In terms of the legal apparatus behind that, given that, you know, Africa's 54 countries or their own different types of, I guess, import, export rules, et cetera. What does the process for reconciling that look like versus, you know, I'd imagine in the US, it's far different because of this, you know, pan-American uh, legal regime. Um, you, you, you're talking about the legality of contracts for logistic companies. I'm, I'm talking about um, just dealing with uh, anything from the regime for kind of constructing contracts to differences in kind of import export laws and stuff like that. Like, can you share a bit more on kind of the complexity of that perhaps? If any, this is, this is less of an issue. Normally, I mean, so, 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 so contracts are normally, you know, are generally more basic um, in, in, in general, you know, are generally more basic in, in, you know, in, in, in frontier markets and they're, they're normally, Based on 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 you know English or, or or American law, that's commonly what we use. And normally, with contracts that are used, you know, they're, they're not they're not like um, Western contracts in, in the fact that you know it's heavily contracted and every provision is taken into account. Normally, it's much more basic in, in contracting in, in in frontier markets, which is that you know you provide a service or you provide a good and you get paid. So, 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 you know, and if you don't provide the service and you don't provide the goods, you don't get paid. So it's much more, it's much more binary. Um, whereas, you know, in the, in, in, you know, in the, in the US or wherever, there will be grace periods for, for, for performance and performance criteria and all this sort of stuff. You know, it, 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 you know, it's, it's much more involved. Whereas, so, 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 you know, the, the legality of enforcement is less. Normally, if you have to, end up relying on a contract in a frontier market, especially say a less developed frontier market, normally you've got quite big problems at that stage because you, you know, you, the, the, you, you're not really, the, the contract is kind of less important than just the fundamental performance. You know, have I got whatever it is I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to have and am I paying for it? You know, you know, and, and, and that boils down to where, where the money is really, you know, so, so you're only, you're only going to, if you're the buyer of whatever it is, then you're, you're only handing over the money. Once you're, once you're, once you're happy, you've got what you're supposed to have. And so that, that's it. it so, so from that point of view, it's more practical in terms of contractual, if that makes sense. Is that um, an inhibitor on the ecosystem or is that to the benefit of the ecosystem? 
I think that helps the ecosystem if anything, because it's very straightforward. It's black and white. It's you know, you you do this, you get paid this. So, as, as, a, as opposed to you know some sort of heavily contracted 40, 50 page document, you know. So actually, I, I think in some ways it's 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 sim- it's sim- you know it simplifies things. Okay, fantastic. Um, I, mean, I mean, just just on that point, actually, you you've you've mentioned this, but I, I will mention this because I think it's interesting. I mean, my, my my view is that in frontier markets, and one of the reasons we're involved in Africa, but just in terms of development of frontier markets, one of the best ways of developing countries is actually through commerce. And I think the the traditional roots of um, you know charity, etc., for developing markets is that is actually one of failure. And I think actually the ways to alleviate poverty and out of poverty is actually through commerce. And so, you know, effectively making sure commerce can happen well is um, is something that actually helps countries lift themselves out of, you know, lift, lift themselves through the stages of development. Completely agree. I think strengthening the capacity to have export-based growth um, for yeah. these countries, allowing them to get, you know, yeah. uh, foreign currency in that allows them to buy more sophisticated goods reinvest, etc. Uh, right now with the kind of sovereign debt crisis that's going on, um, we have a couple of episodes on that coming up. Uh, it feels increasingly pertinent that there are these routes for selling things externally to international markets. Uh, one thing I came across recently was we're, we're having this guy called Ronald, Ronald Philip on the show later on. He does um, industrial parks, industrial warehouses um, across mostly kind of North Africa, but also kind of moving, I think, if I'm not mistaken, to Sub-Saharan Africa. And in one of his recent posts, he said he spoke about the prevalence of Murphy's Law, what can go wrong, will go wrong um, in developing markets. I'm wondering, could you share one or two anecdotes of, you know, frustrating things that have gone wrong, but then you've had to fix that? Um, that kind of show the type of agility required to, you know, navigate and build things in these ecosystems. Well, I mean, but this is this is what I was already saying, and I and I, I would I would completely agree with what what he said. I mean, and and and, and for me, it's one step further, which is a, 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 a assumption. So, what can go wrong, wrong will go wrong, is is definitely very true. And what leads you into that is assumption. You're assuming everything's go- you're assuming it's going to go okay, which is your first mistake, right? So, your first mistake is that it's all going to be fine. There's no, you know, it's going to work as I think it's going to work. And then, you know, then you know what can go wrong will go wrong. I mean, you know, I, I, I you know, I, it's it. That 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 and, and this is this is this is all very common sense. This isn't actually particularly complicated. It's common sense. It's a common but it's a common sense based tick box of have I checked this? Have I checked that? I mean, I, I can tell you, you know, a very a very a very um, a, you know a, a reasonably complex problem we had, um, which actually was um, we 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 um, we were loading. Um, 10,000 tons of palm kernel shells, which is called PKS, um, which, is a bio, which is a biomass biofuel um, in Nigeria that was going up to Europe. So, you know, 10,000 tons of any commodity is, is, is a lot. And this, yeah. was, this, was, this was being loaded in two ports in Nigeria. So it's a two-port loading, one port 7,000 tons, the other port 3,000 tons. Um, this, this is a very complex operation. It's not trivial at, at all. And, and this is a, you know, a very cheap commodity. Therefore, there's very little room for error here. And so anyway, so, so actually the vessel 
um, you know, um, roughly 25,000 deadweight ton vessel, you know, loaded with 10,000 tons of PKS, um, going to be leaving Nigeria and actually, you know, going up to Europe. Um, you know, once, it's, once it was loaded um, and everything was underway, the vessel had left Nigeria and was one, on its way from Africa up to Europe. We actually found that the um, the goods hadn't been the, this part, this palm kernel shell hadn't been fumigated, so this 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 was a huge problem. So fumigation is not pretty for this type of product. It's basically putting chemicals into the into the product to fum, to fumigate it, um, quite quite harsh chemicals, but to kill any bugs effectively in this palm kernel shell. So anyway, this stuff was ten thousand tons of this stuff. People have. Very little concept of how much 10,000 tons in. It's a lot of product. So this was steaming up to Europe without fumigation. It wouldn't be allowed to dock in Europe without fumigation because, you know, it's against EU laws because it's coming from Africa and it could have all sorts of, you know, bad stuff um, bug-wise in it. So we had to, on the spur of the moment, find a solution for this. This is a non-trivial solution because, you know, this was about a million-dollar cargo. Um, and so, you know, this, this cargo is effectively worthless if you can't go anywhere. Um, so that's effectively, you know, a million, a million dollar problem. And so we actually managed to get the vessel with the help of the vessel owners to, to stop off at the, in, to stop off, stop off at some islands along the way for fumigation tablets to be thrown into the hold. Um, and then the holds to be re resealed. And to get a fumigation certificate for it to then to continue up to Europe to be successfully unloaded. Wow. So, 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 so this is, you know, I mean, I, there, there are you know, plenty of things I can talk about, but this is, you know, a, a deeply practical um, solution for a, a, a significant problem spur of the moment. Fantastic. Well, I'm curious in terms of your day-to-day -day life, how many of these kind of show up on a daily basis? Is, is, are things always on fire in some sense or have you kind of built systems that mean a lot no, of There, there, there are no systems, I think. I think it's, it's, re, it's reaction and, it, and it's unfortunately, it's not, it's knowledge and experience in terms of, well, I've seen this before, I know what to do. Or, you know, and I think it's a, it's a mind frame, it's a, it's, a, it's a frame of mind, which is, you know, okay, well, you know, it's a problem. I think, you know, problem solving, frame of mind is, is incredibly important in this type of type of business, which is, okay, well, you know, I've seen this problem or I've seen a similar problem to this, you know, this is what I did in the past, or this is what I can do, you know, but, but you need to run through all the different forms of, you know, potential solution. Um, and, and, you know, it, again, this is, this is all incredibly practical stuff. Um, and I think, um, you know, and I, I, I think in, mo in most of these situations, what I would advise is there's no need to panic. Sometimes there is, sometimes there would be a need to panic, but there's no need to panic because there normally are some form of solution, but you just need to have an adaptable frame of mind and also experience to know what those solutions could be. Fantastic. So changing gears a bit and going back, uh, talking about experience, you previously were working as uh, an investment banker. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on kind of the deal landscape? In Africa, if any, I know that you mostly focus on kind of commodities. But what are your thoughts on kind of like what is have what what has high growth potential within the region? So, so the reason one of the reasons we're involved in the, the main reasons we're involved in Africa is really because the challenge and the opportunity, but also because of the long term potential of Africa. And so, 
you know, it, it, the, the long-term potential of Africa is incredibly significant. Um, on, on average, the average age of the, um, of the population in most African countries is around 18 or 19. In Nigeria, it's 18, it's 18 or 19. That compares to, you know, Western Europe and North America, which is, you know, it's decades older. Um, we, we have a, a continent in Africa with, with a huge number of natural resources, which previously have exported those natural resources raw, but increasingly is looking at processing those natural resources, which, you know, is very interesting. So, so the amount of opportunity with a young labor force, growing countries, growing GDP and potential with their own resources is, is incredibly significant. So, so, so that's the starting point of, you know, an, a, a basically a, a huge area of opportunity. So that's the starting point. So from that, you have a significant amount of deal potential. Um, and so, you know, there, there are opportunities in each country to be involved in, 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 in transactions, whether they be basic transactions or some or more complex, you know, financing or, 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 or investment type transactions. But I think one of, one of the issues is, from a landscape point of view, is that you can't really take your Western European or North American attitude and just, you know, and, and just, just, just take that directly to Africa one for one. You actually, it's, it's a different way probably of, of doing business in terms of due diligence, performing due diligence on the opportunity, having experience in terms of what the opportunity needs for success. And so it's a different landscape in terms of getting things actually done. And I think that's been quite confusing for international investors in places and led to a lot of people losing quite a lot of money and some people doing incredibly well. And so I think in general, the opportunity um, in deal making is huge. Um, the, the problems you have to run through to, to make deals successful are, are also not insignificant. So, you know, leading again to experience and working with people who do have experience in the field. So if I want to ask a deeply practical question here, if that's a skill set that I want to develop over the years, what, yeah. would, you, what would you suggest uh, someone like myself do or other listeners who are also intrigued by this? Well, I think that, you know, that nothing's going to get, get away. Nothing's going to get away from actual experience on the ground. So, 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 so I think, you, you know, you, if you join an organization, which is, you know, perhaps a bigger organization to start with, which is involved directly on the ground, um, you know, in some fashion, so you can actually start to get experience. Um, but, but, but also, I mean, away from just join, from joining an organization, actually just being on the ground and, and, and looking at what's going on and looking at opportunities, you know, you, you can't get away from that. Um, you know, you, you can be in a, in a, in a port and you, you can see what sort of commodities are coming in and coming out. I mean, you can just see it. Um, you can probably get some of that information online, but nothing gets away from actually seeing this physically, um, you know. And so, and so, 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 I think there are a number of ways, but you you need to get some sort of real world experience in terms of opportunity. That's what you need to do. That's on my bucket list for this year. I, um, if anyone else is listening, by the way, I uh, and they want to go on a little tour of these supply chains, I'm super down. Um, 
one more question here in terms of you know top three themes or kind of subsectors that you think would be worth looking at for folks who are kind of your foreign investors that are looking at the kind of continent as a whole given these macro dynamics you've mentioned from a population growth labor slash commodity standpoint what are like three themes or investment theses heck two even that you consider should be compelling for them to look at well, I think I, th- I think I think there are there are so, there are so many opportunities. I think I think there's probably a need to specialize, and so you know I, I think I think I think it's hard to look at multiple things. I, I, I think I think I think really you want to look at particular areas and become you know become more experts in those particular areas. So I think I think I probably I think you can probably boil it down to real you know really um, you know I, I would say. Um, energy, utility, agriculture, and, and, and probably minerals, which is going to be no surprise to anyone. Um, but but you know, um, you know, energy and utility clearly, you know, we we you know we have a lot of um, there's a lot of energy needs with a, with a, with a growing population. In a lot of countries, we have um, you know we have old grid systems which were installed a long time before, which are overwhelmed. You know, a country like Nigeria, for instance, um, you know, uh, and so you know, just basic provision of energy and utilities, um, especially with the opportunities around renewables. You know, I, I think I think that that's that's obviously a very interesting sector of which you know you, you need to have deep knowledge. You need to have deep knowledge of the country you're actually looking at. You need to have knowledge of clearly the the, the industry. So you know, and that's no surprise to anyone. I think you know, it's a huge opportunity. The amount of capital that sector needs is huge, um, and, and if, the, if if it needs a huge amount of capital, it has to provide quite large returns, you know, to attract the capital. And I think those returns are there, and you know, with the growth in GDP, etc., growth in population, you know, you have a good long-term potential, you know, for those investments in those markets if structured properly. Agriculture is really interesting, but you again, you need to. You need to specialize in agriculture. You can't just come in and out of agriculture. Agriculture is quite a long-term game. And so West Africa in particular is very interesting for agriculture. I think it, you know, at the moment, I, I can't remember the exact figures, but I think you know, West Africa currently provides something like 1% of world food. It should really be providing something like 20% of world food. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it has that capability. It's, it's, it's incredibly fertile. Um, you know, it's, it has very good climate for growing things. Growing things in West Africa is absolutely amazing. It, you know, it's, 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 it's a fantastic place to, to, to grow things. Um, you know, just in general, you know, just lumping all of West Africa together. You know, these countries are currently importing things. They should be growing. Nigeria, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, Ghana, you know, they should be growing things themselves. So not only should they be growing things for their own population, but they should also potentially be growing things to export. And so, you know, and th- there's a large amount of land available, you know, looking at looking at a lot of these countries, you know, so, so the opportunity in agriculture is huge. However, you know, it's not... You know, it's not it's it's not straightforward. You 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 need a multi-year plan here to make this work, um, and you know it's um, you know it's a very involved business, but the, the potential is huge. Um, and then finally, minerals. You know that th- there are minerals all over Africa. Um, it's it's you know they're incredibly luck- lucky with their mineral resources. 
virtually every country, you know, has some form of has has access to to to, to a lot of minerals, very interesting minerals. And I think one of the opportunities in, in, in minerals really potentially is is in in moving up the up the supply chain and adding value actually, you know, in, in country. What I mean by that is is potentially going in and uh, mining minerals from a sustainable perspective, um, but then processing those minerals in country for export. So currently, Africa mainly exports raw or semi-processed minerals. Um, but it'd be quite interesting to actually, you know, look at processing more minerals in country to export. Um, and I think you know that that's 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 an area area of um, of obvious opportunity as well. And 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 this is there are other sectors which are also also interesting. I mean, you know, so you asked for three, I gave you three, but but you know, healthcare is clearly interesting because you know, I mean, eight, you know, yeah, uh, rising GDP, rising wealth, you know, rising population, poor current healthcare provisions. Healthcare is very interesting. It's not an area I know a great deal about, but it's very interesting. Telecommunications. I'd love that in with utilities, but that's also very interesting. Um, so, yeah. Fantastic. One anecdote I'll share just very briefly on uh, the combination of healthcare and logistics is there were massive struggles when it came to uh, distributing the vaccine, the COVID vaccine in 2021 and 2022. And one of the reasons in particular in Cameroon um, and Mali um, so, so in Cameroon, they had one refrigerated truck for the entire country um, when it came to transporting vaccines. And in Mali, they had two. Uh, this is an example, again, intersecting both kind of hard infrastructure, logistics, and then also kind of healthcare because it has those downstream impacts. Uh, having the gumption to go in and try and solve those problems, even though maybe the market size right now isn't there because of the low purchasing power, but in the longer term, it kind of catalyzes all other industries uh, is an incredibly exciting prospect. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that because I can think of a solution straight away in Cameroon because you just use reefer containers. So, 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 can, there, there are reefer containers which were refrigerated containers, and I know Cameroon has reefer containers, so they just just should have used reefer containers. I guess one of the power, one of the problems may have been powering those reefer containers if they took them inland. But you know, um, yeah, this is the sort of this is the sort of you know practical stuff I'm I'm talking about. Brilliant. I'm going to send you a link to that piece later, uh, maybe of interest. So um, moving in a, well, actually in a similar direction here, what are your thoughts on the role of kind of technology and disruptive technologies for leapfrogging kind of development, but also accelerating uh, some of these industries, or even if you just want to focus in particular, I know that sounds kind of vague here. What is the role that kind of technology has played in accelerating uh, supply chain developments in the last decade for yourself? So, so I think some people are claiming that it's 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 um, it, it's provided it, it's helped leapfrog, and I, I don't think that's the case. I, I you know I think in general Africa is 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 you know and I, you could be very careful just lumping Africa together as Africa because it's a very big continent yeah, and all the are very different. But I think I think in general Africa is very good at adopting technology. And so, so you know, um, you know, the the, the, the and, and some technology solutions are, are very good. And so, you know, some of the, the the SMS payment systems which were developed, especially in East Africa, you know, that that was that was significant. And some of the mobile phone technology developments is significant. Um, so, so I think in general, there's been some very that 
with such a young, and I think this is helped by the fact that it's such a young population because you know the young population is very willing to look at to, to, to look at different things and different ways of doing things and also very practical different ways of doing things and I think that's really helped. In terms of, I think technology helping commodities and supply chains, I, they have they haven't really so far. So 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 I do think that. There is something possibly in blockchain with um, uh, uh, resources and actually verifying um, sustainability and um, you know and, 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 and responsibility around resources and, and actually assuring where resources come from, especially for the more expensive resources like you know like, like, like you know like some of the more expensive minerals. So I think I think there's I think there's a possibility around that because the way that responsibility and sustainability and traceability are done at the moment with, for instance, minerals has been a little bit archaic. Well, it is incredibly archaic. It's it's pencil and paper type stuff. But increasingly, I think there are some people who are actually looking at solutions around, um, you know, using things like blockchain for traceability, which I think is very I think is interesting and could actually help. Awesome. So you know, I think I think that's an area where you know I, I think technology can actually help. Um, documentation for exports, you know, around around the world, but specifically from Africa, is incredibly is is incredibly archaic. And you know that could be solved also by by by, by technology, but that's quite a big problem um, because you know it requires you know local. The, the local systems around bills of lading and things like this are, are you know, very outdated. And so technology could possibly help there, um, but, but we'll see, because that's a big problem to solve, I think. Awesome. Two things to keep one's eye on. Uh, final question here. Are there any resources, recommendations, or calls to action for listeners um, that you want to share before we kind of end the podcast? In terms of, what do you, what do you mean, calls of action? Any, any, anything you'd like them to do, be it, you know, checking out, Council's website or anything like oh, that. Right. Yeah, you can check out the website. We um we we uh it's www.camscorp.com. We also try we also use LinkedIn quite a lot. We um we post things on on LinkedIn under the under the company banner um in terms of things we're 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 involved in. Um one thing I would one thing I would say to people actually just in general if they if they are listening is actually just you know, once you are involved in this sort of business and you are interested in supply chain, then, then have a look where your things are coming from. And so I'm, I'm very intrigued. You know, I'm, I, I live on the East Coast of America, but I'm very intrigued where, for instance, my, my ginger comes from. So I'm always checking location um, and where the bananas come from, and, you know, where cashew nuts come from. So just have a look, see where these things are, your things are coming from. Um, you know, and you, you see some strange things in terms of the distances come. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think in terms of a call of action, just be aware of where you are buying, how you are buying things and where things come from. I think it's a great call for action. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Simon. Uh, it's been a wonderful uh, session and uh, yeah, wish you the best.